You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program, and here to guide you through the murky waters of the Political Cesspool is your host, James Edwards. And welcome, everybody, to tonight's live broadcast of TPC. I'm your host, James Edwards, this uh, Saturday evening, August the 12th. And uh, this is a different type of show. We're live tonight from the floor of the American Renaissance 2023 conference. It is literally taking place around us. Uh, As we sit right now, we have a break in the action. Uh, They are retooling the room for the dinner banquet and the keynote speech, which will be delivered by Dries Van Langenhove, who is a uh, representative from Belgium and good friends with our good friends, Philip De Winter and Anka over there. And uh, anyway, it has been uh, so far, and it's still certainly not over, but it has been a wonderful weekend of fellowship and renewal, and standing here with me, or rather sitting here uh, with me, is uh, Keith Alexander. Uh, both of us are here tonight. How you doing, Keith? I'm doing great. Really enjoying the scenic atmosphere around here and the, the good fellowship that you always have in Cameron Thomas. That's absolutely right. So, uh, yeah, well, let's... more interference from Angela so far. And I'll tell you what, this place has been... Great. Close as you can. We got a lot, I want to just say, too, if anybody's wondering, we've got a lot of background noise because, obviously, we are uh, in the midst of a lot of people. So you're going to hear people chattering in the background. And I, I love that, actually. I think it makes for uh, a better radio atmosphere. Uh, and environment, and so you're going to hear people coming and going, a lot of action happening right now. I was going to say, they've raised the bar a few notches here at uh, the Montgomery Valley State Park Lodge. Uh, it's really, you know, it's one Yeah, it's that guy, it's as nice as any. In, uh, 2016. They have uh, certainly uh, refurbished and remodeled this place. It is, uh, not that it was exceedingly poor before, but now it is uh, as good as any chain hotel you would have an event like this at. So you get the best of both worlds. You get your First Amendment protection and you get nice accommodations, uh, really top flight accommodations. And so, anyway. Uh, Keith, you have been here. You've been uh, witnessing everything throughout uh, the course of uh, the events so far. Give us some takeaways. Well, unsurprisingly, James gave the best presentation. <laughs> I mean, he brought the house. Well, this really guy, did. he's got to say that. You understand that, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I told him he had to say I really, that. I really don't have to say that. I'm saying that that's from my heart. He really gave a stirring speech and the best reaction. And, uh, of course, all of the speeches are great. Everything, all the people, uh, first rate. I've got to say, I appreciate uh, what my friend just had to say and his critique, but uh, they uh, it has been one uh, outstanding presentation after another. The speakers have been uh, Ricardo Duquesne, Professor Duquesne, would love to talk to him again and we're going to grab it in what's going to happen over the course of the show tonight we're just going to be grabbing people i'm looking at none other than mr wallace himself mr occidental descent brad griffin uh is standing about five feet from me as we sit George's right now favorite son, 
<laughs> yeah, well, in, in, in just a few minutes. We'll do it in a few minutes. But uh, but you, so what we're going to be doing tonight is just taking people uh, from the crowd, different uh, speakers, uh, different uh, people who were here, who are. I would love to talk to Keith Woods. Yeah, I would love to talk to Keith Woods. We're going to. Well, I, this is what I was saying. We're going to be grabbing as many different people in the crowd, not just the speakers, although we're going to try to feature as many of the speakers at this weekend's event as we can over the course of the next three hours and let you hear, in their own words, a little synopsis, at least, of uh, the message they delivered to the assembled troops. And uh, we'll be talking with other people in the crowd uh, who certainly cast a large shadow. I mean, certainly there is a great injustice when you have uh, heroes and legends like Mark Webber, and Ed Fields, who are not on the program this year, but nevertheless in, in the crowd, people like that, when you are able to address people like that and have them in your audience, you're certainly part of a special uh, gathering. So yes, Ricardo Duquesne was the opening speaker today, a professor from Canada. Uh, Keith Woods, an island for everyone, Ireland at Crossroads. He was the second speaker. Stephen McNallan, uh, as we just mentioned. Uh, he's doing some very interesting work here in Tennessee that I think you'll want to know about. Ruben Caleb, former member of Parliament in, out of Estonia, uh, was the speaker immediately after lunch. I followed Ruben. The title of my speech was Reasons for Optimism. I actually posted to the politicalaccessible.org just yesterday the video of my speech from the Countercurrents Conference last fall, where I was the banquet speaker. And a lot of the elements of that uh, were included in my speech, but it was updated. And uh, I would say, I don't know, maybe about 50% of that, about 50% new content today. Gregory Hood, I uh, was ready to go, I tell you what. Gregory Hood, and then as we mentioned, the keynote speaker tonight would be Dries Van Langenhove uh, from Belgium. And then uh, tomorrow, uh, the two Lions, uh, the two Lions, our champions, Jared Taylor, and Sam Dixon tomorrow. So, and we're seeing a lot of friends and faces, Keith, from battles past. Uh, people from the old Council of Conservative Citizens, Linda Baum, Bill Lord, Thank Ray you. Martin. Yeah, you know all of these wonderful people. Uh, people who've been involved in this since before the year 2000. Yeah, it's really incredible uh, the longevity of this. Yeah, that's right. But it's it's good, you know. We've been around long enough. We've had a lot of friends, and some of the friends we haven't seen in in some time. So it's been great to uh, rekindle those acquaintances. Well, Keith, you mentioned my talk. If you don't mind, and if I could ask you, uh, uh, what was the? How would you convey to the audience what we talked about? The, the royal we that is. Well, it was really kind of a call to arms, telling people just exactly the dire straits that we're in and how it's really working to our advantage as members of uh, white advocacy. The left has done more in the past uh, five years than we could have done in 20 years to move us to the forefront, to move our issues to the forefront, to make people aware of what's going on. And it's really incredible, you know, what has happened to us. Our movement has gained so much momentum in the past, uh, well, really, Ever since Trump went down the escalator, and things have... And that's what we were talking about, how so much has changed that, of the political... You mentioned Trump numerous times. And I said inadvertently he has caused this to come out. He has caused the left to go so unhinged. 
if they had any discernment, if they had any awareness, they would just wait him out and then let the demographic clock continue to, to tick. But because they are so drunk on their hatred of us, they are overplaying their hand, and it's caused a great awakening of racial consciousness that is still nascent, but it is developing. And, of course, the situation is just continuing to deteriorate in terms of the social cohesion. It's going to open up some opportunities. That was basically the, the gist of the talk. Well, and it was, uh, you said it was a time for optimism, it was a cause for optimism, it really is, because our movement, which things have just been going along the way they had in 2013. Uh, Mitt Romney is your standard bearer, John McCain, you're not going to win with guys like that. Yeah, and you're also not going to get... No matter who wins, up. we lose, yeah, that's and right. Trump, Trump absolutely pushed all their buttons. He is uniquely positioned to cause them to overreact. And that's what they've done, and as a result, many people are put down or turned off by it, and they've moved to our side. All right, we're going to take our first break for the evening. We're going to have one haymaker uh, after another, people coming in. Uh, and I think Brad Griffin's first on deck, but uh, we got to find him. <laughs> so let's see if we can find him, and we'll be right back. Materialistic science states the universe and everything in it emerged from an unguided, chaotic expansion of space-time-matter energy labeled the Big Bang. But far from being the result of a chaotic Big Bang, the universe was initiated and put into ordered motion by the Creator. Thomas Jefferson, in the Declaration of Independence, attributed the laws of nature to the Creator, nature's God. Now the Declaration of Wide Independence by Kyle McDermott sets the record straight from the inception of the laws of nature and of nature's God to the right of all the peoples of mankind to be self-governing within their own homelands. This book provides an ideology to utterly defeat the woke globalist communist tyrants. The Declaration of Wide Independence is a highly recommended addition to community, college, and university library philosophy collections and supplemental curriculum studies lists. Available at the Dixie Republic and Traveler's Rest, South Carolina, DixieRepublic.com, and at Barnes & Noble. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8, 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9:6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the line of Judah, a message from Christ Kingdom Ministries.
All right, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Our first guest of the night is. He didn't need the, uh, the headset because we're not taking calls. Our first uh, guest of the night is an esteemed guest indeed, Reuben Caleb, who gave a wonderful speech towards the 21st century ethno nationalism, a former member of parliament from Estonia. Hello, great to be here. And I have very uh, much coveted uh, one of your appearances on this program. As I shared with you earlier, we do a special series called March Around the World where we talk with different uh, thought leaders and elected officials throughout Europe. And uh, as Keith Alexander and I had probably the shortest trip of anyone here, two hours from Memphis, you came all the way uh, from the Baltic area. You came from Estonia, and uh, you're here now, and uh, we're honored to have you. Yes. Uh, it's really great to be here, and uh, it's my second uh, time in America and speaking at the uh, American Conference. Uh, first time uh, was in 2016, and uh, that was uh, before I was elected anywhere, either in the city council or the parliament. I would actually say, as I said in my speech, that uh, the scandals uh, in the Estonian liberal press that followed my first speech at Amran were the one thing that uh, uh, that got me this, uh, this support and votes that uh, allowed me to enter Well, I want to talk to you about two things in the, in the limited amount of time. I would love to have you on later, perhaps after you return home for a full hour, because I think it would be fascinating to learn the issues uh, on the ground in Estonia and some of the things that Estonians are faced with. Uh, but I actually pulled Ruben from a gaggle of uh, admirers. He was in the middle of uh, holding court, and uh, he uh, stepped away for just a few minutes to be on the program. But I'd ask you two questions. Uh, the first question would be number one, getting elected to parliament, I mean that is an amazing accomplishment, no matter what the nation, that, that nation's parliament, uh, that nation's governing body, you were elected having been fully outed as somebody that had these beliefs, how does that happen? That's remarkable as, as an American to see people in Europe being elected with these beliefs and it's not even, uh, it's not even a question, it wasn't even something that they had to dox, I mean you went into that. Right. Well, I would say that in addition to uh, being a strong, outspoken uh, politician who stands up for the nation and uh, his speeches and so on, you also need a great team and uh, organization working for you in the election campaign, in, uh, uh, you know, creating all these uh, background, uh, background things without which, uh, uh, I mean, a single candidate uh, would, would lack very much uh, these, these uh, capabilities. Uh, and we had, uh, uh, we still have this uh, well-built, uh, strong nationalist party in Estonia. That's uh, wonderful to hear. Party or ETRE. Uh, what were the issues that you ran on? What were, when you were campaigning, what were the issues that propelled you into elected office? Uh, I actually built my campaign on uh, uh, three uh, slogans. I stand for Estonian nation, Estonian uh, independence, and Estonian nature. Uh, these are two. Uh, these are three things that uh, we must uh, uh, preserve in order to have our country uh, to uh, have something to uh, give to our descendants and for them to. Uh, to live in the country that their forefathers fought. And that was obviously a message that was well received by your constituents. Uh, is the allegation of so-called racism, is, is it 
interpreted and understood in a different way over there than it is for Americans? Is it something that's a negative stigma? Is it something that they don't really... Depends. I think it uh, uh, doesn't uh, necessarily carry that kind of stigma as a task in America. And, uh, when I was asked about this in interviews and so on, I always said that for me it's a meaningless world. Meaningless word. It uh, doesn't uh, uh, doesn't mean anything in the ideological uh, sense. It uh, it's just a curse word by the leftists for the people who stand up for the right. And I, I have heard that in Eastern Europe, it really is sort of received in a different way because you don't have this so-called diversity and multiculturalism over there that we have here. So just, you know, I, I don't think it, as you said, it doesn't pack the same, the same punch. What are the issues in Estonia right now? What are, the, what are the main issues facing the Estonian people? What are the main issues that uh, they are concerned well, about? Ultimately, the most important issue uh, in, in uh, long term, but also more and more in short term, is our ethnic survival. Uh, because we are a very small nation, uh, we're just uh, uh, one million people, uh, one million Estonians uh, in a country in, of uh, 1.3 million. Uh, and we have seen, uh, we have a lot of uh, uh, ancient uh, nations around us who uh, are related to us and we have seen them going extinct. Uh, like Finnuric tribes living in Russia, uh, they, they used to be great nations with great histories. Now, in uh, many of these uh, these uh, nations, they have just few people who remember their native language and uh, uh, their culture. So, uh, and on the other hand, we also see what is happening in uh, Western Europe and uh, uh, this mass immigration. And, uh, more and more Estonian people do understand that uh, if that would happen to Estonia, that would be catastrophic. I would love, as I said a moment ago, Ruben, and again, Ruben Caleb as our uh, guest right now, the first one kicking off this live broadcast from American Renaissance. I would love to have you back on for a full hour. I think uh, Estonia history is just such a beautiful place. I've never been, I've, I've read a lot about it, looked at a lot of pictures. Beautiful place, beautiful people. Uh, I would love uh, to dive in more with you at, at, a, at a greater extent at, at a later time. Uh, but is there a sense of identity amongst Estonians that surpasses that of the Western European nations? And if so, is that identity more nationalist, more nationalistic, or racial? There's a very strong nationalistic identity in Estonia, and uh, it's because the whole reason why we have our uh, own independent nation states for just one million people uh, is because we need this homeland to preserve our people. Uh, if, if we didn't uh, think or care about that, we could just uh, join our uh, richest neighbor like Sweden. Would you say that, I, I'll just ask very quickly, and then i got to get a question to keep because we only got about two minutes yeah. left, but would you say that the health of Estonia is better than that of Western Europe? Uh, yeah, definitely. If we look at, uh, uh, if we look at uh, ethnic identity, uh, national feelings, and uh, also the underlying spirituality uh, below that, uh, which everything that of uh, that is based on, uh, we have. Uh, I think even uh, uh, even the most liberal Estonians have a grasp uh, at some level of that national identity. Last question, kid. We got one minute. Okay.
notice Keith Alexander. I've noticed a difference from your speech and from also speaking with a young lady from Latvia uh, earlier in this conference. There's a difference between the movement that we both represent here in America and what you represent. In Europe, everybody seems to be interested in your specific nationalism. We talk about white nationalism. In other words, as far as we're concerned, you can be from Finland or from Sicily as long as you're uh, European or white. You're uh, part of our family. Explain nations and ethnicity over yeah, I think it's very important uh, not to uh, view these two layers of identity, the uh, ethnic, national and uh, racial civilizational identity as uh, in opposition. I think uh, they both help each other, they support each other, they're part of one whole. Uh, and uh, having roots in a very specific place, in very partic particular culture, uh, uh, it only strengthens uh, also the feeling of uh, larger regional, racial uh, uh, feeling of unity. Ladies and gentlemen, Ruben Caleb has been our esteemed uh, and featured guest here this first uh, appearance of the of the night. Uh, the speeches that you missed, if you're not here in person, will be available at the American Renaissance website very soon. Ruben, how else do people find you and stay in touch with you? Uh, well, uh, right now, I'm, uh, when I left Parliament, I went to live in countryside and I uh, <laughs> basically feel that I, I want to uh, be in social media as, uh, as as less as possible. <laughs> You're taking it. Oh, I see. You're taking a little break. You can, find me, you can find me on Facebook and uh, you can uh, write me an email, uh, ruben.fallap.gmail.com. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Ruben, call up everybody. Give him a big round of applause. Wonderful. Thank you, my friend. Listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News. I'm Jerry Barmash. The Fulton County District Attorney is expected to present the Trump case to a grand jury as early as Monday. Former Georgia Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan has confirmed to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution he has been called to testify to the grand jury on Tuesday. This means Fannie Willis will have to begin presenting her case regarding allegations of Donald Trump conspiring to overthrow the 2020 election results in Georgia. The Iowa State Fair is the center of the political universe this weekend as the top 2024 Republican hopefuls try to gain support. Former President Trump was at the fairground in Des Moines on Saturday, as was this Republican voter. I like what Trump could do if he just kept his mouth shut. Right? So that was the thing. And so I, I don't, he's not a good leader. He's, I liked his philosophies and what he was trying to accomplish, but the way he went about it, it's not good. Trump's top challenger, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, was also at the fair. At least 80 people have been killed on Maui as search and rescue operations continue in the resort town of Lahaina. FEMA Operations Director Jeremy Greenberg talked about how quickly the Hawaii wildfire spread. As you can see from the pictures, this was an amazingly devastating fire. Uh, when you talk about these, these types of fires moving as, as quickly as the length of a football field in 20 seconds or less. 
Local officials fear the death toll will continue to rise, with hundreds of people still unaccounted for. Millions living in the Pacific Northwest are bracing for excessive heat. Western Oregon could set temperature records on Monday and Tuesday, with highs in the triple digits. It will also be unseasonably hot in Seattle, with highs in the 90s. Toyota is recalling nearly 170,000 new model Tundra pickup trucks to fix a problem with the fuel line. This is USA News. Hi, this is Michael, creator of Michael's MNP Supplements. Let's talk energy. Do you wake up tired even after a full night's sleep? Does keeping up with your family and or your job leave you exhausted by noon? Do you find yourself turning way too early in the day and too often to caffeine-loaded drinks just to get you through it all? Why not turn to Michael's MNP's Energy... Hi, I'm Wayne Alaroot for Revive Health. Revive is an inexpensive alternative or supplement to traditional health care. It's perfect for independent contractors, gig workers, and small business owners. What you need is flexibility, portability, affordability, and ease of access. You also need convenient care that you can get anywhere. That's what Revive is. Affordable, flexible, portable, fast, simple, health care anywhere. Revive treats you like you are the CEO of your own Fortune 500 company. Usually, you can only get access to a product like this. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we are live from the American Renaissance Conference. You just heard from Ruben Caleb, all the way from Estonia, Keith. He had a little bit harder, uh, <laughs> harder, harder. <laughs> That's for sure. Let's bring another esteemed guest on, a gentleman uh, like Ruben, making his first appearance here at this conference. People, men we knew by reputation uh, before today, but now we know in person. Stephen McNallan is with us, and he gave a speech this morning. Stephen, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. As close as you can. Perfect. You got it covered. Okay. How's that? That's perfect. You are set up the way we need you to be. All right. So I will use my radio voice and try to get over the din of sound in the background. Share with us, Stephen. First of all, who you are. Then say hello to the audience and introduce yourself. Well, I'm Stephen McNallan. I'm founder of the Austin. True Folk Assembly, which is a Native European uh, religious organization, uh, and I have been involved with that for somewhat more than half a century, along with one or other. Um, it's great to be here at this gathering where I can hear um, people of, of European heritage who, who love who they are and who love their people. Everything here is entirely positive, it's upbeat, it's encouraging, it's uh, it's just a real delight to be here and, and around people that are motivated and trying to do the right thing. I, I read some very interesting things about you not too long ago and things that I very much uh, enjoyed reading and things that I like. Uh, you're interesting in so much as you're native Texan, if I understand you correctly. Uh, Confederate, uh, veteran, or, not a Confederate, veteran, but a, I I know, I know, I know, <laughs> the descendant of Confederates. Uh, that's right. I You know what I meant. Uh, but uh, a native Texan now living in California, but doing some very interesting work right here in Tennessee. Yes, yes. Um, here at this conference, um, 
uh, we've, we've got, of course, the, the relationship with folks here, but uh, the, uh, the also through Folk Assembly, which I, I don't actually, I'm not representing it per se. My wife is the one who actually could tell you a lot about that. But uh, yes, the, the, the organizations that I've affiliated with, the ones that, that follow the old, the old, old European ways, um, yeah, it's, we, we got stuff happening. Hey, you got a big laugh or uh, really applause, I think, out of the audience today as you were making a, a point. Uh, the thunder roared through. Uh, we had a little bit of a, uh, almost looked like a hurricane come through. I was in the restaurant for part of it, and there was some sort of a monsoon happening to uh, drowned out uh, some of the uh, belligerent sounds tonight. <laughs> you assembled today, but uh, that, that thunder accentuated a point you were making during your talk. Uh, but yeah, the, uh, the the situation in Tennessee, uh, we've talked about it, uh, building parallel communities, uh, places where people can come together uh, and support one another, and uh, not just in spirit or in, in theory, but uh, very tangible. Uh, in order to do that, you got to have land. You got to be doing some things that you have a hand in. Well, you got to have land. You got to have, uh, you know, mature people that are involved in your particular project. I uh, need to plan it out carefully before you do it. Um, and uh, there will always be personnel problems, and you know, people are going to sometimes not agree with each other. But you can try to get people that are on the same frequency, who share your ideals, who share your goals, and who share your enthusiasm. Uh, absolutely right, and uh, so, and that's what I love about gatherings such as this, because you, you uh, it's as one of our sponsors put it, uh, you, uh, there's no strangers, just friends who haven't met yet, and I, I have this philosophy where if, uh, you know, if we can find one area of agreement, let's lock in on that, and let's foster that, let's work together uh, to, to build upon that, as opposed to looking for things looking for reasons why we should disassociate. Well, I, did, I, I, I like him on all of these other issues, but I, I don't like this particular aspect of the program, so we're just going to break company and, and continue to be separated. Anyway, that's a, that's a little parenthetical departure. But uh, break down, if you could, uh, with the couple of minutes we have remaining, uh, your talk today. Uh, the, uh, for those who missed it, uh, for those who have to wait for the video to be ready, uh, give us uh, maybe a two or three minute synopsis of what you shared with those well, I'll see if I can, uh, if I can get it down into that sort of framework. Um, it, it, as I describe it, it sounds like some high intellectual thing, but it really isn't. I gave a quick summary of Dr. Carl Jung's material on the collective unconscious and specifically on the Wotan archetype. Now, I personally have followed the old gods of the North for somewhat more than, than half a century. Um, I certainly do not demand that others do so or expect them to. Um, but uh, I, it is my way, or one of my ways of approaching my European heritage. Because of that, I feel a deep attachment to our people. Because the, the faith and the people go together. Um, it's... Um, it's an interesting time we're in. You know, Jung predicted back in, uh, well, about two years before I was born, that we would see the the wisdom aspect of, of the, the Germanic god Wotan, which was, you know, Odin to the Norse uh, and Odin to the Saxons, uh, that, that we would see his, his wisdom side manifest after all the turmoil of the 
1940s and all the stuff going on in the middle of the, of the last century. And I, I, we are on the edge of that. We we are we're in a position to see this happen. I think we can see a revival of the European descended peoples that will, that will sprout and bring us all happiness. Let me ask you this, Stephen. Now, this being a, 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 a Christian program and uh, us being from a Christian background and I have uh, shared my uh, experiences in the church, both good and bad, and I am more than capable of not just seeing but articulating uh, the deficiencies of, uh, of the church these days uh, with regards to our issues. Uh, let's talk about networking and cross-pollination amongst Christians and uh, those who subscribe to, to your belief. Because here's the thing, uh, of, of course, uh, this is how uh, I was born and raised. Uh, I, I appreciate uh, the nest in which I flourished. Got me here today, sitting here and speaking at Amrit and sitting with you. Uh, but. Uh, I, I, I see this as I know that not everybody in our movement obviously shares the Christian faith. Uh, and there are a lot of Christians that I can't stand to be in the same room with. So, uh, and, and when it comes down to it, I will always want to network with people who are working for uh, the betterment of our race. So talk about, uh, is there a cooperation that you've noticed between Christians and, uh, and those in your community? Yes, uh, yeah, we, our, our, our community, also true is the former name of our religion. So we are also true art, um, and you know. And the thing is, we have so much in common. We have so much in common. We believe in honor. We believe in courage. We believe in truth. We believe in the future of our people. Uh, that's the tie to bond. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's what I wanted to get get to. Yeah, and and you know, I just want to emphasize that you know, I was everybody I knew when I was a child were Christians. My mother, my father, everybody I knew in the world, I absolutely do not have not hearing some sort of an anti-Christian. Yes. I, I wanted to get to this. I appreciate you addressing that. But of course, going back to our Confederate ancestors, who I know that you have a great affinity for. Oh my goodness, yes. Yes, my hero. Yes. Here, here. It's, um, it's we, we can't afford to squabble over stuff like this. Uh, I, I will defend the rights of Christians to, to their beliefs. I will fight alongside them, and to, not to be dramatic, but if it came to dying next to them, I'll, I'll share blood with them. I would say the exact same thing in response to what you just said. I would double down on that. I believe the exact same thing. I mean, of course, there's a different sort of brotherhood and camaraderie that you and I can have for one another, even though we don't necessarily share the same faith, that I can't share with other Christians who have just completely sold themselves out to the official narrative. And, uh, to, I mean, it's just a sickening thing to, to, to witness. But I appreciate you sharing that because I, this was the point. Uh, and you, double, you, you said it without me even having to, to prompt you, but I, I feel the exact same way. Uh, we will uh, stand shoulder to shoulder uh, when, when the rhetorical or perhaps even uh, literal shooting starts. If it comes down to it that. It would be an honor. If it comes down to that, I would be glad to stand by your side. And I, you, my friend. Uh, how can uh, people find out a little bit more about your efforts and uh, stay in contact with you? we got about a minute remaining. Okay. Um, well, um, I can be reached at Post Office Box 445, Nevada City, California, 95959. Uh, email? Uh, email gmail.com. That's wolfagemedia, lowercase, all run together. <laughs> 
and uh, and I'll be glad to, to correspond with anybody who's interested. Your website? In what doing. I got a website uh, at uh, Steve McNally. Stephen. Stephen McNally. With a PH. Stephen with a PH. That would be me. Uh, not a PhD, just a PH. <laughs> yeah. Stephen with a PH. Uh, and uh, I hear the music beginning as we go into our next break, but uh, I believe it could have, I think it was the SBLC. I read a most impressive article about you recently that again goes back to that groundbreaking in Tennessee, literal groundbreaking, uh, that uh, your organization has part of. And uh, we will uh, stay tuned and uh, we will talk to you again very soon. Stay tuned, everybody else. We'll be back. Hello, TPC family. It's James, and I've got to tell you that I sleep better at night knowing that there are organizations like the Conservative Citizens Foundation. The purpose of the Conservative Citizens Foundation is to promote the principles of limited government, individual liberty, equality before the law, property rights, law and order, judicial restraint, and states' rights, while at the same time exploring the dangers posed by liberalism to our national interests and cultural institutions. The Conservative Citizens Foundation also seeks to educate the public on the dangers of extremist ideologies like critical race theory and cultural Marxism. I've worked with the good people at the Conservative Citizens Foundation for many years and their work comes with my complete endorsement. For more information and to keep up with all the latest conservative news headlines, please check out their website, MericaFirst.com. That's M-E-R-I-C-A-1-S-T.com. MericaFirst.com. As you are aware, America is divided over every fault line possible. This is intentionally fostered by those who do not love God, family, or country. We believe a peaceful future as a free people absolutely depends on civility. Clarion Call for Civility is looking for funding and volunteers at every level to make our hopes and efforts a reality. Please donate, sign our pledge, and help us in our sacred cause. Please visit callforcivility.com for more details. Callforcivility.com. My name is Christian Knuckles. I prophesy there will be no revival until the church leadership stops lying to the people. I'm the first soldier of the spiritual body of Christ, the Lion of Judah, the Confederate Church of Christ. I'm here to declare the lion will lie down with the lamb when the lying stops. A message from Christ Kingdom Ministries and brought to you by confederatechurchofchrist.com. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, with another prestigious face in the crowd, none other than uh, Mr. Hunter Wallace himself, Brad Griffin of Occidental Descent, and he is joined by his lovely wife, Renee, Nay Baum, uh, is that how you say it? N-E-E, hey, Renee. We will sing Just Walk Away, Renee, before the end of the night. I always do that when I'm around Renee, but anyway, uh, <laughs> the daughter of the late, great Gordon Baum. Any reason to invoke the name of Gordon Baum, we will take advantage of. And so tonight, with both of you here, that's right, Gordon Baum. We've got a lot of council guys here. Thank you. Uh, God bless Gordon. I know he's looking down on us from heaven. Brad, it's great to have you with us tonight. I know you were with us not too long ago, uh, just, uh, what, three or four weeks ago, within the last month, it seems, you made your most recent appearance on TPC. 
uh, what do you think about the conference so far? And get as close as you got to almost kiss that thing. You got to have yeah, that yeah. right on it. Uh, we're getting bad comments from Rich Hamlin saying he can't hear people. So. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. yeah, that's fine. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me, James. Um, it's great to be here at the conference and great to see everybody. Um, once a year, you know, we all get together. That's right. At least. At least once. At least once. Maybe twice. Uh, <laughs> but not nearly enough. But it never seems like it's been that long because everything's a blur now. You're in the same stage of life that I'm in. He's in a different stage. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but we've got the kids and uh, everything's so busy and uh, it's just like a time warp. It just blurs and it's just, you know. It, We're in the Gen X dad stage. Yeah, that's right. You and I are running around the same age and in the same generation. I, I love what you wrote recently at OD about how we are positioned at the intersection of, uh, I actually just read this last night. I didn't know you were coming. I'll, I'll share this story in a second. But anyway, uh, we exist at the uh, intersection of uh, Christianity White nationalism and neo-confederacy, I think is how you put it. There you go, southern nationalism. That's right. Post-liberalism. There's a lot of isms. That's where we're at. That's that's where we have parked ourselves. That's that's our that's our lane. But from there, we network with a lot of different people. You just heard from Stephen McNallan, who I have a lot of respect for. Comes from a different. Uh, a different place, uh, needless to say, but uh, we're still uh, a lot of commonality on, on, on certain key issues. Well, anyway, Brad, I think and I hope uh, if there's one person in the in the room today that enjoyed what I had to say, I hope it was you. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Yeah, 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 I recognize a lot of you. It's a lot of the same ground that's absolutely right. And I had to make mention of Brad. I don't want to be like Reverend Dr. King and just outright plagiarize that attribution. I wanted to give the credit to Brad during my talk, and I, I think I mentioned you at least twice that, hey, this is... A, this is what Brad put together. Right? This is, oh, and here's another Brad quote uh, from Oxford. It's getting a round of applause, by the way, there uh, during the, uh, the the talk today. But yeah, I mean, as I said during uh, during my address, you have just an uncanny knack of being able to put into the spoken word uh, or in the, in the written form exactly what I'm seeing and want to articulate. So. You know, I'll be a little lazy. Why am I going to try to improve upon exactly the way I see it? We'll just say, hey, we'll just read it. You're like an, a, 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 a de facto and unofficial producer of the show. Because I think I, I say this uh, pretty much every week. Every week we say, well, Occidental Descent. Let's, you're always getting a quote. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, it's pretty, pretty bold uh, stuff that the ground we covered here. Um, and we'll see what happens next year. But do you agree, though? And we, you and I and uh, Jared Taylor and Mark Weber were sort of in a, a sidebar there uh, earlier today. It may not be next year. I think, you know, the Trump... Well, talk about what's coming next year. Because I, I love, what you, again, I love what you said. I loved it so much. I haven't put it in my talk today that... As we sit here in what could be the last normal summer, people really, I don't think, are factoring in or comprehending how next year could play yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I really do. I really do think, like, even though everyone, even though everyone around us can absolutely see everything that's going on, there really isn't an awareness of how extraordinary, of how, of how extraordinary the situation is, where. You have like a, a presidential race, like the next year with Donald Trump winning the Republican nomination, and probably being sent to prison in the middle of race. How extraordinary, destabilizing, how 
radical of a move that is. At least Lincoln and, was moderate enough to only lock up and, entire and, state legislatures. He and, didn't arrest Jefferson and James, Davis. And, and James, you got to you got to look at it. it's in the context of a bunch of other things. Law, unprecedented lawfare. Like you, you know, you, you saw his. He also got convicted of raping E. J. E. Jean Carroll in New York. That's just a, another thing um, I brought up today. And he's saying, "Hey, I, I, I'm not even going to go to these." Yeah, I didn't even go to the defamation trial. I know I can't get a fair trial in New York or D.C. There are so many things that's happening that we, we can't even listen uh, Brad, I've got something for you that you may not know, which is which is a tall order, I might add. But uh, somebody in the Atlanta area who is here tonight uh, mentioned to me that at the courthouse in Atlanta, CNN crews are posted around the clock waiting for Fonnie Willis to issue the next indictment and arrest. Yes. And see, that's imminent. And James, you see, you see I mean... The theory is, is that you know Trump is facing um, already over 75 felony charges, and it's, it's probably going to be up to at least another dozen within the next week. But these are these charges coming out of Georgia or state charges. So even if you, in the event he was elected president and he was able to pardon himself, he wouldn't able to be able to pardon himself of the state charges. So in theory, he could be elected president of the United States and be convicted by an Atlanta jury. And sent to prison by uh, prosecutors. Well, Keith and I talk about this all the time. It's just you know you always hear, oh my God, how terrible it would for a black man to have an all-white jury in the South in the 50s and 60s. But I tell you this, they could flesh out real justice a hell of a lot better than any of us going for <laughs> majority black I mean, jury my, in Atlanta or New York or my, whatever. My, my major point I'm making is that if you just look around. All, all, all the signs of how bad things are going to be are obvious. Whether it's lawfare, whether it's impeachments, whether it's riots, whether it's interventions by FBI, whether it's uh, selective prosecutions, um, there's, there's no one is willing to compromise. Everyone is going going down these extreme, the most extreme paths possible. And when it absolutely does, if it does ignite in a conflict. Um, We'll look back on this year, and it's like you know, it's, it was it was so obvious it was coming, and that's my idea. quick question. Close to the mic as you can, Keith. Yeah, uh, Brad, I'm not absolutely certain that he cannot be pardoned for uh, state charges. I think that uh, you know, Mark Levin, who confesses to be an expert on everything, he said, <laughs> said that you can. The president can pardon himself, he can pardon uh, anyone in the United States or anywhere, basically, for anything. Now, compare what is in the cards for Joe Biden versus Donald Trump. Donald Trump has lost his opportunity. Basically, everything that's happening with the impeachment trial of Joe Biden, that's just for show. That's to get, and basically, the public knowing what he did because there's no chance in the world that the Senate, which is run by the Democrats, is going to find Joe Biden guilty and remove him from office. They hope they're doing it. Basically, our legislature, our national legislature, has been co-opted into a political show and tell uh, situation. Uh, both parties not even getting legislation. And, uh, you know, Joe Biden, on the other hand, has real serious criminal charges pending against him. On the other hand, Donald Trump's 
uh, offenses are supposed are for the most part record keeping and record retention. So you know, there's just no, that's a great point. That no mutuality between you know, what one has done versus the other, and the fact that we are to take Trump's jeopardy much more seriously than Joe Biden's is a miscarriage of justice in and of itself. Before before Brad answers, I would say, I mean, this is what the courts and the so-called justice system have come down to. You wrote it again, Brad. It just all that matters now is not the law, but whose side you're on. Right, and exactly. And there's another there's another scenario where uh, suppose Trump dodges somehow miraculously the vast majority of all these charges and he gets off of it and um, Florida and New York and DC. Suppose he magically dodges all these bullets. They've only, got to, they've only got to connect on one, right? Yeah, yeah, but suppose he actually goes down on one, he said the president, suppose the Supreme Court intervenes and says, no, no, Trump, uh, you, can't, you, can't, you can't prosecute. Let's say the Supreme Court rules in favor of Trump and lets him out. And then he wins the election. And then it's the other side of the coin where the left, you know, being so worked up over affirmative action, abortion, and already hates the Supreme Court. Roger. Um, it's just going to. Sh I mean, we, we have we have set up a scenario that's you going to share our Yeah, sure. Well, Brad, let me ask you this. This was another thing we talked about. I mean, uh, and we've got about two minutes remaining. Obviously, folks, if you're not going to Occidental Descent every day, not only am I there every day, I'm like, come on, Brad, give me another one. Refresh, refresh, refresh. There it is. All right, Occidental Descent, one of my favorite websites in the whole world. Maybe the favorite website in the whole world uh, that, I, that I go to. And uh, But I mentioned this today, too. People have been saying the collapse is imminent. Uh, it can't get any worse since the 70s. But uh, you and I, this was what we were talking about. One minute left in our sidebar with Jared and uh, Mark earlier is that it may not happen next year, although all of this going on with Trump that we've been talking about could be the catalyst. It's probably going to take something a little more severe. Our people are certainly going to have to go through harder times before they become tough enough to do what's necessary. Uh, but you do think that within the next few years, there is going to be an event that uh, recalibrates things and uh, allows this boil to the simmering boil to be vented one way or another James, for the good James, and bad. James, I don't see I don't see any ending where this doesn't end in uh, some kind of constitutional crisis. I mean, there's some there's so many multiple paths there. There were inevitably going to end up in some kind of constitutional crisis next year. And it's, it's it's true. People have been saying like things have people have been predicting a collapse forever. But and. That hasn't happened, obviously, but um, in the long run, scheme of things, things do ultimately come true, and this seems to be the path. Well, if you want to know what I think about it, go to OccidentalTheSit.com and read what, <laughs> read what Brad's been posting. Hey, Brad, I love you, buddy, and uh, I love you too, Renee. Y'all are family. Appreciate it. And it's great to be here with you tonight. So uh, the first hour uh, live from the floor of the American Renaissance Conference is in the bag. You've heard from Ruben Caleb. From Estonia, Stephen McNallan and uh, Brad Griffin. We'll be back in the second hour next. All right.